Do you want to turn to 2 Corinthians 11? In, um, if you got this Bible that was passed out, it is page 887. 2 Corinthians 11. Second Corinthians eleven. I want you to imagine with me that I'm sitting in my office eating a dozen donuts. It's not hard to imagine. When one of you happens to walk in and begins helping yourself to my donuts. I want you to think what I would feel at that time. Now, if I've already eaten 10, I probably would be feeling a sense of relief that I didn't eat the last two. But if I had just started, you know, I was on my first donut and, and you happened in and you just began ravenously chomping down on my donuts, what do you think I would feel? Well, since I'm a nice guy, I would probably just be a little miffed, feel a little possessive for my donuts, but let it go, just figuring that I was doing my good deed for the day. But now, imagine if it was my 1100cc Honda Shadow motorcycle sitting outside the coffee house and... I'm walking out, about ready to get on it, and I see you driving off on it without having asked me. You just, there you are, driving off on my motorcycle. Now what do you think I'd feel? Probably feelings would be a little bit stronger, a lot stronger. (laughs) Feeling pretty possessive right now, pretty protective, like... What are you doing? That's my bike! (laughs) Now, what if it's my reputation that I hear that somebody's been slandering, trying to destroy? I hear through the grapevine that somebody's been talking about me in a slanderous, gossipy way? (laughs) Or, what if it's my wife that I see somebody trying to flirt with? Now what do I feel? (laughs) Susanna, she's like... (laughs) (laughs) I love your response. (laughs) A lot more protective, a lot more possessive, jealous. Yes, and rightly so. Let me ask you, do you have that sense, and just thinking about that scenario that I ended with, do you have that sense of possessiveness and protectiveness when you hear someone talking 
lightly about your God. When you hear his name like it is every day, lightly and commonly used as if it was, you know, Joe, John, Henry, dog. Do you have that same sense of protectiveness and possessiveness when you hear God irreverently or illy spoken about? Is your response, don't talk that way about my God? Maybe not verbally, but inside? Don't talk that way about my God. Are you jealous for God's reputation? Are you jealous for God's glory? Are you jealous, and this might be a harder one, maybe you've never even thought about it this way, are you jealous for your relationship with God? And of anything and anyone who might try to distract or take away or hinder that relationship. Anything that might spoil your relationship with God. Did you know that God's jealous? Listen to this verse in Exodus 34, 14. This this makes it really clear. It says, the Lord whose very name is jealous is a God who is jealous about his relationship with you. It's quite a verse, isn't it? Let me read it again. The Lord whose very name is jealous is a God who is jealous about his relationship with you. Isn't that something? You get that? God, if you are in relationship with God this morning, God is jealous about his relationship with you. That's something. God is jealous about his relationship with you. Now what we're going to talk about this morning is what that means. What does that mean? And why is he jealous? And what does his jealousy look like? And what is it about us that makes him jealous? God is jealous about his relationship with you. Now my desire... I'm jealous for my time. So no, I'm just um, what I want us to get this morning and what I'm praying that we get this morning is what that means. That God is jealous about his relationship with you. What that means in terms of how much God cares about you and how passionate God is about us. God is jealous. Now, as we come to 2 Corinthians 11 this morning, we're going to come to a passage that gives us a really personal glimpse of Paul himself, of his heart and those he ministers to. Listen to the, in 2 Corinthians 11, verse 29, it says, this is Paul, he says, Who is weak without my feeling that weakness? Who is led astray and I do not burn with anger? Or flip to the next chapter, 2 Corinthians 12, um, starting at verse 19. Listen to what Paul says. He says, Perhaps you think we're saying these things just to defend ourselves. No, we tell you this as Christ's servants, and with God as our witness, everything we do, dear friends, is to strengthen you. For I'm afraid that when I come, I won't like what I find. And you won't like my response. For I'm afraid that I will find quarreling, jealousy, anger, selfishness, slander, gossip, arrogance disorderly behavior. Yes, I'm afraid that when I come again, God will humble me in your presence and I will be grieved 
because many of you have not given up your old sins. You have not repented of your impurity, sexual immorality, and eagerness for lustful pleasure. And, 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 and if you were to read the whole book of 2 Corinthians, you get a book where Paul is, his heart is just bleeding and hurting for these Corinthians and their sinful disregard of God and his grief over that and him wanting to see that change. So as we come to 2 Corinthians 11, we see Paul with his heart that's a heart like God for these people. So what I'm going to do, if you'd follow with me, I'm just going to read the first four verses of 2 Corinthians 11 as we're going to look at the jealousy of God. 2 Corinthians 11. I hope you will put up with a little more of my foolishness. Please bear with me. For I am jealous for you with the jealousy of God himself. Okay, there we see Paul's heart. The jealousy that he has for these Corinthians is the very jealousy of God himself for them. I promised you as a pure bride to one husband Christ. But I fear that somehow your pure and undivided devotion to Christ will be corrupted just as Eve was deceived by the cunning ways of the serpent. You happily put up with whatever anyone tells you, even if they preach a different Jesus than the one we preach or a different kind of spirit than the one you received or a different kind of gospel than the one you believed. Why is Paul jealous? That's our first question. Or why is God jealous? Is Paul is jealous for them with the jealousy of God? Just really quickly, it, it makes it really clear. He says, notice he says, I promised you as a pure bride to one husband Christ. That's why God is jealous for us who are his and belong to him is because we're his bride. We're the bride of Jesus. Do you think of your relationship with God in that way? A marriage relationship? One of the things that, that grieved me as I was just preparing for this and thinking about it is I think how casual and careless and apathetic I can at times think about my relationship with God. I don't often see myself as this pure bride promised to Christ for him and him alone. That I'm his, that I'm, we could say, spoken for. Um, keep your finger in there. We're going to come back. But turn with me to James chapter 4. It's really, really strong in James chapter 4. James chapter 4 and verse 4. Page 932. James 4 4. Listen to these. These are strong words. James says, You adulterers, don't you realize that friendship with the world makes you an enemy of God? I say it again. If you want to be a friend of the world, you make yourself an enemy of God. What do you think the scriptures mean when they say that the spirit God has placed within us is filled with envy? And you can translate that a couple of different ways. Either that God's spirit, that he is has placed within us is filled with jealousy for us as he dwells within us or that or that God is jealous for us it's just this it's this God is, he looks at us who have 
we who have been promised to him, it's like we got the engagement ring on our finger, we're spoken for, and yet we're living as if we're still available. And God is jealous. That's why God is jealous. Consider briefly just some other illustrations. Flip with me to Ephesians, uh, well, actually, 1 Corinthians 6. I'm going to just really quickly, three other reasons why God is jealous. The first one we see here is because we're like this promised bride we're spoken for. 1 Corinthians 6, verse 19. Don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You don't belong to yourself. For God bought you with a price. You must honor God with your body. The second illustration that we see regularly, we see it again in Ephesians chapter 2, is that we're the dwelling place of God. We are his people. I want you to consider, if you have a home or you have an apartment, and you're there, you're making dinner, and all of a sudden, some squatters start moving into your house. They, they, they move in with all their stuff, come in with suitcases, and they start setting up shop, making themselves at home. And you're, you're, you're like, wait, this is my house. And, the, and they just ignore you, and they keep setting up shop, move into your bedroom, take over your bathroom. Would you feel a little bit possessive or protective? Jealous for your living space? God is jealous. We are his dwelling place, it says. And, and how often do we let squatters come in and inhabit what is his dwelling place? First Peter chapter 1, another really quickly. First Peter chapter 1, it's after James, page 934. 1 Peter 1.18 for you know that God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life you inherited from your ancestors. And the ransom he paid was not mere gold or silver. It was the precious blood of Christ, the sinless, spotless Lamb of God. That's the second reason why God is jealous over us, because he's purchased us with the blood of his Son. We're the bride of his Son. We're his dwelling place and we're his treasured purchased possession. I mean, consider again, you purchase something that's very valuable to you. I mean, it's something that you've been saving up for, you've been planning for, you've purchased it. Maybe for you it was this a, a ring, a pers- piece of furniture, maybe it was a house, a, a vehicle, a, I don't know. For you, you planning, saving, sacrificing, and then someone comes into your home and they like it and they walk off with it. Would you be a little possessive? Feeling a little protective? A little jealous for what is yours? We are God's treasured, purchased possession, purchased by the blood of his son. Do you value that? One more in 1 John chapter 3, verse 1. 1 John chapter 3, verse 1. It says, See... How very much our Father loves us. He calls us his children, and that is what we are. He calls us his children, and that is what we are. 
the adopted sons and daughters of the creator of the universe, purchased by the blood of his son, his dwelling place, the bride of his son. Consider that you've adopted a child. You set your affection on this child and you sacrifice for them. You've raised them. You've made them your own, your own heir, equal with the rest of your children. And they come to a point to where they reject you and they say, you're not my dad. You're not my mom. Would it not stir with you in you some jealousy, some protectiveness, some possessiveness? Those are all things that the Bible describes that we are in Christ. We belong to him. The point is, as we move on, is we belong to him. We're his. And he's jealous for us. So what does God's jealousy look, look like? Let's go back to 2 Corinthians 11. What does his jealousy look like? And, and two things. Notice in verse 2 it says, I am jealous for you with the jealousy of God himself. I promise you as a pure bride to one husband Christ. The first one in three says, I fear that somehow your pure and undivided devotion to Christ will be corrupted. I think the first thing we see about God's jealousy for us is it's, it's very possessive. He's possessive for what is his own. In Deuteronomy 4.24, God says, you'll seek me and find me when you seek me to the best of your ability. It doesn't say that. It says, you'll seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. It's the greatest commandment, right? Jesus said, you shall love the Lord your God with, with as much as you can to the best, uh, with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, all your mind. The, cam- the first commandment of the Ten Commandments says, you shall have no other gods besides me. God is a jealous God. He's looking for a people who have a pure and undivided devotion to him. Don't, don't see God as a hobby or, or as a, a pastime or something that we fit into our schedule or you know, when, when all of our other interests were kind of bored. God is possessive. His jealousy, he's possessive of this pure and undivided devotion to him that will be corrupted. Keep reading. It says, just as Eve was deceived by the cunning ways of the serpent. And so I see that not only is his jealousy possessive, but it's protective. He's protective of us. And, and the ways of the world that are, and, and, and the cunningness of the evil one. In, in 2 Corinthians eleven twenty four, the devil is described as an angel of light. You know, the lust of the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, the things of this world that, that would come after us to lure us away and woo us away from the pure and undivided devotion to our groom, Jesus. The God of the universe who dwells within us, who adopted us, who purchased us. God's protective. Shouldn't he be? I think sometimes maybe that can make us a little uncomfortable. God's possessive like, you know, because we have... 
We have, uh, have had experiences with people that are unhealthily possessive or unhealthfully protective. But God's possessiveness and protectiveness is absolutely and selflessly, sacrificially directed to us, an overflow of his love for us. He doesn't need us. His protectiveness and possessiveness isn't because he needs us and he's leeching onto us like a codependent relationship. But as an overflow of his love, he wants to protect and possess those who would be lured away from that pure and undivided fellowship and joy in life that is in him alone. Just to wrap it up here, so what about us specifically makes God jealous? Keep reading. Verse 4. It kind of sums it up in this verse. It says, You happily, that's a strong word, you happily put up with whatever anyone tells you. Man, that makes God jealous. I mean, here they are, his purchased possession, his adopted children, his bride, his dwelling place. And someone comes along, a stranger comes along, and whatever they say, they just happily listen to it. What is it about us that specifically make God jealous? I think it's our fickleness. Our fickleness. We, we are so happily are led astray. We're so happily latch on to the latest thing that someone would come along and tell us. In Galatians 1.6, just read it here quickly. Paul says, I'm shocked that you are turning away so soon from God who called you to himself through the loving mercy of Christ. Paul says, I'm shocked. Our fickleness. And we who call ourselves the children of God that so quickly, so fickly, when someone comes along, we would listen to them. Just a couple of illustrations. We say we love Jesus, but how quick we are to be thrown off by the latest Discovery on the Discovery Channel. Honestly, I, I just want to let you know I really get tired of hearing it. The latest discovery that the missing gospel or the missing link or the... I, let me tell you, those latest discoveries, you, know, you, never, you notice that they never come back and let you know that they weren't such a great discovery after all that they didn't really disprove the eternal word of God. <laughs> but how fickle we are. It's like, like a newly married couple. And they're on their honeymoon. And there's this passionate love relationship and they're out walking on the beach and some gal walks by and the husband looks at her and takes off with her. <laughs> That's how fickle our relationship often is with God and how jealous he is. Not only our fickleness, but our unfaithfulness. It says you happily put up with whatever anyone tells you. If they preach a different Jesus, if they preach a different kind of spirit, if they preach a different kind of gospel, you listen and you're led astray. I wanted to just read, kind of we, we come to an end, just, just three statements out of our statement of faith. A different Jesus. Our statement of faith says a restored relationship with God is possible solely by God's grace 
through Jesus, God himself, who became a man without ceasing to be God in order that by his substitutional death on the cross and resurrection from the dead, we might have forgiveness of sins and life in him. There's a lot packed in there. But if someone were to tell you, oh man, I just read this great book. It's called, um, it's by some guy by the name of Dan Brown. can't remember. Um, what was it called? Oh yeah, The Da Vinci Code. A really good writer, a very interesting book. And, but in it, I, I, I found out the truth that Jesus really had relationships with Mary Magdalene and, and, and the real descendants, and our hope is in, in this ongoing line. And it's all right there. You just got to read the book. He didn't really die on the cross. He was stolen away by his disciples. A different Jesus, a different spirit. Our statement of faith says, God the Holy Spirit is the one who draws us into relationship with God convicts us of our sinfulness and convinces us of the good news of God's grace towards us in Jesus. Our lives are to be lived under his power and control. But what if someone were to tell you that God's spirit told them that Jesus was coming back tomorrow? They knew it. They they found it out by uh, reading, um, you know, Nostradamus or something from the Mayans or something, you know. And that you need to drink some special pink lemonade to be ready for his coming. Well, some people have done that. And it amazes me how many Christians have come up to me and said that and wondered about the predictions of the Mayans or the predictions of Nostradamus. How easily we're unfaithful to our God. A different gospel. And this says when we understand about the real Jesus and the real spirit who draws us into him, our necessary personal response leading to salvation is repentance regarding our sinfulness and faith in Jesus' person and work alone on our behalf. But what if somebody were to tell you, you know, I just met these, this, this group of people and they meet in this building and, and they told me that there's a special knowledge kind of a secret knowledge that I need to know. And there's a lot of groups out there like that. And if I read this particular book and I, and I know this special knowledge, then it will really help my relationship. Then I can really know God. I'll have the gnosis, oh, the knowledge. Shouldn't God be jealous? <laughs> he should be. One more thing, just really quickly. Not only in our the fickleness that shows the unfaithfulness in our beliefs, but also in our behavior. How quick are we? How quick are we? Jesus was called a friend of sinners, and he was. We're to be friends of anybody and every. I get to ask this question all the time as I write grants. How can you as a faith-based organization um, I say, we love everybody equally. <laughs> I don't care who comes in these doors or who we reach out to. Like Jesus, we love them. He was a friend of sinners, but he was not a friend of this world. 
In 1 John chapter 2, it says, don't love this world, the things that are in this world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. If you have that love in you, you don't have the love of God in you. And God is jealous. He's possessive and he's protective of, what is, what, of those who are his own because he wants us in that love, that special relationship with him as his bride, as his treasured possession as his dwelling place, as his adopted children, to enjoy the life that he came to offer us. Not to be lured away like Eve was by through the cunning of the serpent or through anyone else's deceptiveness. What you'd read in a book, what you'd have some friend tell you, what you'd see on television. How does God display his jealousy toward us? You know, the the beautiful thing is... um, I think we can pick it up in testimonies that are shared is one of the ways that God shows his jealousy towards us is he just keeps pursuing us. It says in Isaiah, he longs to be gracious to us. And that was written to a people who had abandoned him and who were on their way into exile. God longs to be gracious to us in our rebelliousness and our abandoning of him and our being enticed and and distracted and led away by all these things that should not distract us from our God. God longs to continue to be gracious to us. He pleads, we, we see in the book of Hosea, a book written specially to let us know how much God continues to pursue us and please return to me. He pursues us, but also he disciplines us. You know, the book of First um, and Second Corinthians, these two books, they, they show this process. In First Corinthians, there's a guy who's living with his father's wife. Okay? We'll just agree that's wrong, okay? Yeah. He's living with his father's wife, and Paul appeals to him. He won't change, so Paul says, give him over. What does that mean? I think it's, it's God's discipline. We, we see it in... Three places in the, in the New Testament. Give him over to experience in his flesh the consequences of that sin so that he might be saved. In 1 Corinthians 6, we see Paul says, give him over. And in 2 Corinthians 2, we see a beautiful thing. We see Paul welcoming, welcoming him back. As having given him over, he comes to realization of what he has done, and he is welcomed back into relationship with God. Isn't that beautiful? Hebrews chapter 12 says that God disciplines those he loves. So, just to give you three things to end with here. How should we respond to God's jealousy? I hope that, number one, you've picked up, as I've repeated over and over again, who we are, his treasure possession, purchased by the blood of Jesus, his adopted children, his dwelling place, the bride of Christ. Number one, I hope you got a little bit of glimpse that would lure you back into intimacy with him. That I hope, number one, that you recognize how much he loves you. What an amazing relationship the God of the universe offers us with him through his son, what he's done for us to purchase us and bring us into that relationship. 
It's not just like a, we're kind of buds. We're the bride. We're the adopted kids. We're the treasured possession. We're the dwelling place. Do you get it? Number one, you've got to get it. You've got to get how amazing the relationship is. And number two, then if we do, we've got to repent of what James says in James chapter 4 for our adultery, our unfaithfulness. We've got to come to the point where we say, oh God, I, I'm acting like a, like a, a new bride on my wedding day that walks off with another guy. We've got to come to grips with what we're, with why God is jealous and why he's possessive, why he's protective. And we've got to repent of that. We've got to turn from that and say, God, I'm sorry. And then number three, we've got to return to God's word. You know, as I talked about our fickleness and our unfaithfulness, you know, and our beliefs and our behavior, I think the reason we're so fickle and we're so unfaithless is because we're trying to carry on a relationship with God and we don't spend any time with him. I mean, the truths that I summarized, you said, yes, yes. Maybe those were new for you. We've got to get back into God's word. In Isaiah, I'm just going to end by reading this verse in Isaiah chapter 8, verse 20. Isaiah 8, 20. Notice it says, look, I'm going to start at 19, I'm sorry. Someone may say to you, Hey, let's ask the mediums and those who consult the spirits of the dead with their whisperings and mutterings. They will tell us what to do. Shouldn't people ask God for guidance? Should the living seek guidance from the dead? Look to God's instructions and teachings. People who contradict his word are completely in the dark. Get back into God's word. Get established in the truth of who he is and who you are in him, of the relationship that we have with him. And let's be jealous for that relationship. Let's let nothing damage, distract, hinder, corrupt that relationship. Let's be as jealous for our relationship with God as he is for us. Let's pray. God, I think it's so hard for us to to even begin to understand how much you love us, how jealous you are for us, how, how passionate you are for us, how you long so much to be gracious for us. Father, God, open our eyes, I pray. Even as we close by singing these songs, Father, open our hearts, open our minds to see you and afresh love you. In Jesus' name, amen.